Hey everybody and welcome to Healthy Discourse. I'm super excited for today's episode. I have my great friend Carla Ledford here with me and we are going to dig in to a parenting topic today which is not something we've done a whole lot yet but we're going to be talking about taking personal responsibility in the age of lawnmower parenting. And I'm gonna define what that is here in just a minute. Um, but I would like to welcome my friend, Carla. Hi, <laughs> I'm so excited to be here today. Carla, tell us about your family. So I am married to Jason. Um, we're coming up on 20 years. Our anniversary is next month. I think I knew that. That's so exciting. So crazy to think we've been married that long. Um, and we have five kids ranging in age from 16 to six, um, two boys that are teenagers, and then three girls that are elementary school age. Super exciting. So we love the Ledford family. My kids look at her, big boys, they call them as their absolute role models. And I'm totally okay with that, even though I know they have teenage boy issues because we talk about those too, but Carla is preparing me well along the way for what's to come. And she's been such a really great mentor and role model to me. Um, her kids are really service-minded. They're joyful kids. They're really well-rounded. And she's got a teenager who loves to work. And these kids volunteer to watch mounds of children. Our small group <laughs> is made up of very large families. So Carla's husband, let me back up a little bit, is one of the pastors at our church as well. And we're on the same small group, which is not very small because we have so many children. But these boys, like willingly and lovingly help take care of all of our kids ranging from little toddlers up to eight nine ten year olds every week and they just like I just love them so much and I've gotten to know a little bit of their hearts and their struggles and so forth um, and it just makes me so happy to see that kids are being raised this way and we've talked a lot about what it looks like and you know these day-to-day -day tough moments that we have to have as parents and that's kind of been our philosophy, like raising responsible children that um, are servant leaders and, you know, really are doing life God's way the best that they can in the season that they're in in life and as much as they can understand that. And I was really taken aback a couple of weeks ago when I shared a picture of my two big boys rinsing dishes and putting them in the dishwasher. And I got some really interesting comments. And at first I was like, wow, that's interesting. But they kind of kept coming. And so we've, I've been in this world of understanding what helicopter and lawnmower parenting is. And it's really the opposite of what I do. But I kind of understand that. But this feels like we're going into a whole new territory. Um, one person said that I was exploiting my children by expecting them to do chores around the house. And then I'm just going to read a small portion of this other one um, that, that we got just so you guys can understand what kind of this is looking like. So um, this person said, my kids were kids. Chores for kids, utter nonsense. My kids are adults today, but growing up, they never had regular chores and neither did I. Chores are not a child's responsibility. Play is. I'm reading through comments on a chore chart page. I don't wonder, but are people crazy? Why must a two-year-old sort recycling, for example? 
Why is it so difficult for a parent to wash a dish, sort laundry, vacuum, wash a car? That one needs that one needs to be taught these things repeatedly through childhood. Why do we need to have a 10-year-old acting like a mini independent adult? And she goes on and on. But you guys can kind of get the the idea of what is happening here. And that it was just kind of there were a couple comments like this and I'm just kind of I think I just kind of sat back and was like huh and I shared some of this with Carla which led to us doing this episode today <laughs> but I think it's it, to understand where how we've gotten to this point we need to kind of understand what helicopter and lawnmower parenting are do you want to take a stab at that what does that mean to you and we can kind of yeah. go back and forth here sure it's funny because I was actually discussing this with one of my kids the other day and um I asked him if he thought he understood it meant to be a helicopter parent and he was like, I mean, helicopters hover, right? And mm. I was like, yeah. So when I think about a helicopter parent, I think about those parents with like really long arms who just kind of like dance around and, and hover really close to all the details of what their kids are doing. Um, whether they're little bitty and they're playing and you're sitting right there on top of them while they're playing or you're sitting at the soccer practice, whatever, you're just hovering through mm-hmm. all the things. And then when I think about a lawnmower, it's the ones who go ahead of their kids to remove any obstacle or hardship or bump in the road that may come ahead of their kid to right. just plow it down. Plow it down. That's how I right? think of it, Plow too. it down and make it ready, smooth and easy right. for their kids to come behind them. And I think we see examples of that like when parents are calling employers for their chil- for their adult yeah. children. So that kind of has been part of what culture has done in parenting for the last, we'll say decade or so. But it seems like we've moved into a new territory with now we just don't even think kids should have any responsibility and they'll magically turn 18 and be able to live on their own and be fine. I mean, I'm not sure how that happens, but that's Carla and I on a walk, we're talking about how did we get here? And we came up with a few ideas, and the first one is pressure from society. What does that mean? Yeah, I think um, I think right now that, that the culture around us is just um, sort of putting everybody in a bubble. Like everything is is bubbled. And so you feel this pull to to do what is expected of you, even if you don't really understand what that is. And so you... The easy way to do it is just to to go ahead and make it all smooth and that will make things feel good and right and easy for your kids. Surely that's the best way to do it because yeah. everything around us, if we look at all of the, the social media and everybody looks all put together and, and polished and surely we can do that for our kids if we just pave the way ahead for them. Then right. We will look like those around us because it'll be easy and smooth and comfortable and that's a lie, right? Yeah, it's a lie it is. That we're believing. Well, and I think we live in a very child-centered world mm-hmm. now. And even in the '80s and '90s, when we were growing up, that was not quite the same. It was moving in that direction, but you know, you see all the little memes about when we were kids, we came home with the dinner bell and like right. that kind of thing. All the things we did and didn't die doing, right? <laughs> and and now it's like you know marriage is no longer the center of the family, which is a huge problem that we could talk about in a whole other episode, but the kids are, and they run everything, right? And so we've kind of run into that, and that's where this pressure comes from that, okay, well, if my kids define me, then 
that means I need to make sure that everything moves along smoothly and perfectly or else that reflects on me in a negative way. And not that we even know we're doing that, but it seems to end up happening. Um, The second thing is we seem to have a lack of self-trust, which makes us really depend on the so-called experts for every last little thing. So what does that look like? I think this one um, really just strikes a chord for me. This one makes me feel a little prickly when I encounter <laughs> it with other moms. Um, I, I think that we are living right now in a society where um, moms are not being empowered to make decisions for their kids. Um, we're being fed this whole idea that there are experts, but there's only certain experts, right? Not everybody who maybe is knowledgeable gets the title of expert. There's certain experts and those are the ones that you need to listen to. And there's no way as a mom or a dad or a caregiver or a guardian that you can make good sound decisions that are right for your family. Right. And I think that comes with a one size fits all approach. And that comes, um, the consequence of that is us as caretakers in the home, second guessing if we really can make a good decision for our kids if perhaps it goes against what we've heard the experts right, say. Right, right. And I cringe when I see moms, um, I can just see the weight that they're carrying when they're wrestling with knowing they've been told something by one of these so-called experts that maybe doesn't sit right for them, mm-hmm. but they don't feel empowered to go against what they were told because right. that person was the expert. Right. Um, so I think part of what I'm doing right now as a mom is when I hear that, I just try to lovingly come alongside and be like, no, you are the mom. Yes. God made you the mom of your kids. Mm-hmm. And with that comes the ability to think clearly and make good decisions. You know your kids better than anybody else. Knows right, your kids. exactly. And that expert advice should just be that. Mm-hmm. It should just be advice that we hear, we process, and then we take things that we think might be helpful or and discard things that may not work so well for our families. Right. I mean, and I know, like, I remember when my oldest was little, um, I had a, we saw a different doctor than our normal, and he proceeded to chastise me for some of the choices I had made. So I think, like you said, we elevate some expert voices. And I mean, let's be honest, in the last year, I think we all know that voices are being (laughs) suppressed. Like, you don't have to go that far to realize that there is information that's being suppressed. We talk about that in almost every episode. Um, And that happens in this parenting realm, too. So if it's not following along with culture, then, you know, it's not. It's not relevant. And so, for example, like one of my favorite parenting experts is a guy named John Rosemond, who is, he's super old school. And I am most certain that he's not going to be in any publication Mm -hmm. these days. But I think he has a lot of really great biblical based guidance. And it's worked really well for, especially I think it works well with boys. It takes a lot of emotions out. And I think that can be really helpful for someone like me as a mom. And so like, it just like, it was like light bulbs were going off. Well, you're not going to find him in much of anything anymore. So just, you know, don't necessarily feel like you have to listen to the experts that are in your face always either, because somebody's probably written about a different perspective. And so it's kind of that whole second opinion idea. Absolutely. Look at the opposite of what you're being told to. I think also one of the things that's really in the spotlight right now is um, questioning things is considered wrong or bad. Mm. Um, and that only certain people are 
entitled to do research. Mm-hmm. And I think I would just encourage moms of all ages, kids of all ages, like you, you absolutely can do your own research. Um, you, you can ask questions. And if you are encountering a so-called expert who's unwilling to hear something that you've uncovered or a question that you have, um, let that be a red flag. Yeah. Right? Like you, good. you don't want somebody speaking in to something so big as how you're going to parent your kids mm-hmm. if they're not willing to have a conversation. Absolutely. Right? Good point. Good point. All right. Moving along. Cause we've got so many fabulous things to talk about. The number, the third thing of how we got here mm-hmm. is this culture of comparison that we live in and the overwhelming fear of judgment. <laughs> Right yeah. in the in the court of public opinion about um, our kids, our parenting, our family. Yeah. When I was um, hearing you read the comment, that one particular comment that you had shared from the post that you had made, um, it's such a weird space that I feel like we live in right now with this desire for us to meet this social media norm and standard and status quo, but at the same time, everybody having their own opinion. Hmm. So it's this weird space of like, we can't, we just can't converse, right? You're either you agree with me 100% and we're going to be a team or I completely disagree with everything you're doing and I'm going to shame you. And there's not a whole lot of middle ground, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. There's no healthy discourse about it. And so I think that if we find ourselves questioning something, we can really be afraid mm-hmm. of what that backlash might look like, whether it's from our parents or people that we go to church with or people that we work with or our doctor or whoever. We feel like, oh, no, I'm going against what somebody said. And mm-hmm. does that make me a bad mom? Or so-and-so over here is doing it this way, and I just can't make it work that way. What's wrong? Right. It's just a constant. And of- often we see that person's highlight reel, yeah. right, versus the day in, day out. So I'm, I'm guessing... For all of us, all the time, just like I think Carla's kids are amazing, for an example. But I know for sure, because I know her, that when she's sitting in her house every day, (laughs) that she has moments where she loses her mind, just like I do, because that's real life for everybody. And so we've got to look beyond the pretty pictures, too, and realize that we're all in the throes of this. And also, the more honest and open we are about that, with our circles, the more the more freeing it is for everyone around us that we're not keeping up appearances anymore, and we can live real life together. And I think that's something that um, you know I decided probably eight or nine years ago that like I have nothing to prove anymore. That's right. So that not that like I'm perfect and you just need to take me or leave me, but like there are mo- I don't need to hide anything from you. It, so that you'll like me because that's not an authentic relationship. And if you're going to cancel me because we don't agree on cloth or disposable diapers, <laughs> then that's probably not going to be a great yeah, relationship, that's right. Right? That's okay. right? So number four is feeling like we are expressing protection over our kids. Mm. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big one too. Um, I I really feel like our responsibility um as parents is to prepare our kids to leave our homes, right? I love my kids and I want to enjoy all the time that I have them at my house. But my relationship with them is not just supposed to be this sweet, cozy, lovey-dovey relationship. My relationship is supposed to be as their primary discipler, Mm -hmm. molding them, 
training them and preparing them to leave my house as an adult. There is obviously some level of protection that we should provide as their parents. So don't, don't hear me dismissing that. But I don't think that our primary responsibility is to move obstacles out of their way in order to protect them. Right. I actually think that we're, that's a huge disservice to them. And I know we'll talk about a little bit more of that later, but I think, um, in this era of, in the, of everything being safe, that we can get really wrapped up in what that means and good hearted. I mean, it's very well intended, I think, Mm -hmm. but very easily we can step across the line of keeping keeping them safe and going overboard with that, right? Like right. if we're not allowing them to climb the tree because they might fall down and scratch their knee or break right. their arm, right? Like yes. where's the balance of Well, of and that? I think a lot of it has to do with emotions too. Sure. So we don't, like, for example, if their coach says something to them that is maybe a little bit out of line, that we are going to step in there, you don't, you know, we're going to handle the whole situation. So I had a good friend um, who parents a lot like we kind of do, who her daughter was in high school. She was like a freshman, so she was still fairly young. And that exact thing happened, Mm -hmm. and she felt really demeaned by the coach. Well, the mom could have swooped in and handled the whole thing and, you know, left in a fury and felt that she was entitled to do that. Mm -hmm. But instead, she encouraged the daughter to set up a meeting with the coach the daughter was going to say all the words, but the mom was there for moral support. She had told her in advance, I'm not going to say anything at all unless this gets completely out of hand, which it didn't. And the coach apologized and they had a great relationship moving forward. Well, let's think about if she had handled that the opposite way. Would that have same thing have happened? Probably not. And the child has no took no responsibility for, um, you know, first, why did this happen to begin with? This is how I feel. This is my problem, right? Like, there's so many things that kind of go into that. Um, And yes, it's done in the name of protection. But, you know, like you said a few minutes ago, our job is ultimately to put ourselves out of a job as moms. And if we're not preparing them for climbing these ladders or going through these obstacles, whatever that might look like, we're not preparing them for that. They're going to be calling us every five seconds until they're 40, and I, then they, then talk about a lack of confidence and all that kind of thing. Like, there's a lot happening there. So let's talk about number five. This is a big one, too. Sure. <laughs> Experiencing, quote, trauma in all areas of life. And I know, so before you get really angry, <laughs> you know, I am a foster, a foster adoptive parent Ooh. as of Monday. <laughs> and trauma is real. And yes. trauma happens in childhood for some kids. Yes, that's a real thing, and we're not discounting that. But trauma seems to begin to be overdone now. So what's that look like? Yeah, when I remember when we first started talking about this, and we said that if everything is trauma, then nothing is trauma. Yeah. And I think that um, when, we're, when we're parenting our kids in this way, in an attempt to either avoid trauma or because we're projecting some trauma onto them. Right. Um, we're actually discrediting folks who have legitimately walked through or have experienced yeah. trauma. Um, and, and that's huge. I think we've started calling things like hurt, disappointment, failure. We've started call, renaming, falsely renaming those yeah. things mm-hmm. as trauma. Right. And I think as parents, we have to be really careful for that. We can right. use that word 
to justify what we're doing. Right. Same as the word harm, harmful, right? Uh So I can say that your words were harmful to me. Even though you didn't actually do anything to me, your Mm -hmm. words were harmful to me. And so if we're saying that, if if we as adults are using that kind of language, then our kids are going to adopt that too. So everything is traumatic or harmful to them rather than, again, preparing them for the 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 difficulty of relationships in their lives or situations that we all are going to go through preparing them to walk through those with um with confidence and with the ability to take it one step at a time even the really hard things to and so it's kind of creating a victim mentality right that's right yeah okay so we've talked about all the problem (laughs) let's talk about not all the problem i'm sure there's more (laughs) Um, let's talk about some of the benefits, kind of the opposite of the message we received of teaching kids personal responsibility and also exposing them to real life problems, which can be really hard, but it's so necessary. So the first one is experiencing the gift of serving others. Yeah, this is so huge. Um, you know, God created us to be in community with one another, right? We're not supposed to be out on an island doing this life mm-hmm. by ourselves. And in that community comes really good things and really hard things. Mm-hmm. And um, as a ministry family, uh, we're on the front lines of a lot of really awesome and really hard things mm-hmm. for people who are close to us. And right. we realized very early in our parenting that shielding our kids from all of that was not a great idea, mm-hmm. right? It's important um, age appropriate, obviously, but right. it's important for them to understand what it looks like to love and to serve other people. Yeah. And so part of being in community with people is being able to spend time with them mm-hmm. and also literally physically serve them. That's right. a gift that yeah. we give to each other mm-hmm. in community. And so one of the things that was really important to us in teaching our kids responsibility was so they would know when the time arose, if there was a need, they could identify the need mm-hmm. and know how to meet the need. Right. Not just say, oh, that person could probably use some help, but be able to figure out how, how can, can I, I tangibly help? Mm-hmm. help that person right. and then do it. And especially in big families, which not everybody has, that starts in the home. Absolutely. You know, we talk constantly about what it means to be your brother's keeper and yeah. Hey, are those words helping him to solve this problem? Or are you just, you know, identifying weaknesses? Like there's so many things. And that really kind of all boils down to serving as well as rinsing the dishes and putting them in the dishwasher, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Because someday when you have a wife and you know how to do that and you do it without her asking, like that's going to help your marriage, right? Absolutely. It's a little thing, but it matters. It definitely matters. Our kids are not going to just wake up and know how mm-hmm. to manage their time no. and know how to be responsible and know how to cut the grass and properly wash the dishes or, you know, add to the laundry list of things. They're not going to just magically know how to handle all of that. So when we start showing them that service is a gift that you give to other people, mm-hmm. I think it puts them in the right heart posture Absolutely. for why we're doing this. And things. that matters. That matters a lot. So number two, understanding the value mm. of hard work. We don't, like, I think people look down now, clearly, some people do, on hard work from a child's Mm -hmm. perspective. And I tell you, I mean, we spent a couple hours at our school last weekend switching out nasty old ceiling tiles in in an old building that's going to become a new building. Um, And my two oldest boys were with us, and they 
loved every moment of putting all that in the dumpster. Now, you know, that's kind of like a fun thing when you're six and eight. Um, but they, they felt the impact of that. Like that was a difficult job for their little bodies to get all those into that big old dumpster, but they felt significant reward from that. Right. And so that's just one piece of it. But if we want to make our kids feel good, give them something to feel good about that they actually accomplished. Right. So what's hard work look like in your family? Well, we talk about a lot how, um, work can be looked down on, like you said, now. Um, you know, there are, you see signs all over the place. We're having a really hard time getting people to get a job yeah, we and sure do are. the job well, yes. right? So um, God actually created work before the fall. So mm-hmm. if we look in Genesis 2, right. he gave the garden mm-hmm. to Adam and Eve and mm-hmm. told them it was theirs to, to work. Right. That was not a good thing. I mean, a bad thing. That was a good thing. He's yes. not punishing them right. by giving him the work to do. Right. So they labored and worked and that was good. They reaped amazing benefits and rewards for that. Right. It wasn't until after the fall that the ground was then cursed and work became hard. Right. Um, so we just talked to our kids about how God gave us work as a gift. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about that is my now 16 year old started when he was 12 talking about how desperate he wanted to get a job at Chick-fil-A when he was old enough. Right. And he pursued that. And it was a really cool thing as a, as a mom to go to watch him research what it was going to require. He reached out to the people that he was going to have to talk to about what would it look like, what kind of paper, all the things that went Mm -hmm. into getting that job. Um, Not that that was a physically labor intensive job, but at 14, right. He was so eager to work and he did it. He did that thing. Well, and I think we can all agree that Chick-fil-A teaches some really oh, phenomenal it was skills. So, awesome. so, yeah. And it was a sweet spot for him to land yeah. for his first job. But now that same kid has transitioned into doing landscaping. And Emily, he's working really hard physical labor and he loves it. Yeah. Now, if we had just woken up last week and said, "Hey, guess what, buddy? You're going to need to go get a job. Uh-huh. How about you contact this landscaper?" That would have been disastrous at Absolutely. our house. But because we had been talking their whole little lives and yeah. giving them opportunities to exercise those muscles, literal and figurative muscles right. of working, right. he realized that that was, there's value in that. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, let's talk about confidence mm-hmm. and preparation for real life. Like, why does responsibility create confidence? I mean, I guess we've kind of talked about this in hard work, too, um, but... What does that look like? I mean, we're, I think you're seeing that in your oldest, that he, Absolutely. I see it in him and he's not my kid. Yeah. So that's been really sweet. So I um, am a kind of a control freak and mm-hmm. early in my parenting, um, I let them do things, but I gave them a laundry list of rules and parameters mm-hmm. about how those things should be done. Right. And God has really had to soften my heart in realizing if I'm going to have my kids contribute and learn, I've got to loosen up a little. So my kids actually make their own lunch every day. Now, Disclaimer, we homeschool and we've always homeschooled. So right. we've been in our home from the beginning. But um, I I have shown my kids and they've shown each other what it looks like to make good food choices. And the, the setup and the breakdown and the cleanup, all that is involved with making their lunch. And that's where it started. Mm-hmm. And I now have a 16-year-old who can cook dinner yeah. for our family. Not that all 16-year-olds want to cook dinner. Right. But that entrusting him with that little bit when he was very small about making 
lunch for himself. Sure. Gave him the confidence to then try the next thing Mm -hmm. that might be a little harder. We taught him how to use a knife. We taught him how to use a skill. All of that. Just like if you play play a sport, if you're in theater, if you play an instrument, you don't just show up to a game. Right. You practice those skills. Yeah. You have people speaking into you and molding you and training you. You have opportunities to do it. Yeah. And that's what we've tried to use family contribution and work and service in our home to train them and give them practice. And it's really cool when they step out on their own and use those skills sure. that they've been working on in the home. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. We um, we practice a lot with butter knives right oh, now yeah. in preparation. <laughs> they think that they're fully ready. And I was like, well, capability and responsibility are mm-hmm. not the same thing. Because oh, I'm not, <laughs> not, not, I'm not convinced that this won't end up in some sort of stabbing match of sorts. So anyway, um, number four, being more able to handle trials and Mm -hmm. joy in life. And it's interesting that these go hand in hand because there are big emotions around Mm -hmm. good things that happen and bad things that happen. And I, I think that like we need to be prepared for both because even a really joyful situation, if we're not if we're, we've not taken responsibility for things, we just, we're not, we don't know how to handle it. Yeah, that's so true. We have lots of big feels at our house. Mm-hmm. And so we've had to start really early talking about how they manage those emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And um, if they didn't have responsibility at home, if we really just paved the way flat for them, yeah, then I would maybe not know how big the feels were of the kids at my home. Right. And they would leave having no skills to manage those emotions. So actually having responsibility at home, whether it's working something out with a brother or sister or an actual literal job mm-hmm. has taught them so much about how to manage right. those feels, whether they're sad or excited or anything in between. Yeah. And it's taught them a lot about problem solving mm-hmm. in the middle of that. That's, you know, I've, I, some of it's just because I don't want to deal with it, but, but Telling them when someone comes to tattle, like my mm. first response at all is always, you know, number one, what part did you play? And number two, you go, you go work it out. Like, yeah. let me know when it's fixed. And, you know, I listen if it escalates significantly, then there's clearly might need to be some intervention. But yeah, I mean, and, and also like being able to celebrate together. Right. Um, I mean, I will never forget the moment when, um, you know, gosh, a couple weeks ago when we got to tell our foster son that he was staying forever and this was real. And it was very important to him that he, that we not tell his older brother. He wanted to go outside and tell him by himself, like that was going to be his moment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they've worked hard to create that because I've stayed out of a lot. Like, honestly, and we did run to the window so we could watch, of (laughs) course, but it was like, it was, I'll never forget it. Like, their little celebration that they had, it, like, seriously still makes me teary-eyed. Yeah, that's really sweet. But um, it's it's just one of the, like, I thought about that then. I'm like, this is something they've created. Yeah. Um, they've had to work through these these things of new new people and new relationships, and they've done that, you know? And so. if we don't give them those opportunities, then what does that, the consequences are small mm-hmm. when they're little. Yeah. Right? The consequences of my six-year-old and four-year-old working things out together yeah. are small yeah. now. The consequences get much bigger the older they get. Yeah. And if they haven't had the opportunity to work those things out and learn how to be responsible for their for their mm-hmm. own actions and their own voice and emotions when they're little, mm-hmm. how in the world can we expect them when the consequences are so much bigger right. to be able to manage 
Good point. Good point. Last point here is building character and integrity. And I listened to, I can't remember which book it was because I listened to a lot of Christian parenting books, but I was fascinated not too long ago, um, this, what it, whoever it was, I wish I could tell you because then I could actually quote the author, but basically said that in parenting books up until about the last 40 years, the word character was like one of the most prevalent words. Now it's dropped way, way, way down. Like nobody talks about character in parenting or building character in parenting anymore. And I think that's just devastating because it's one of the things that I like, I talk about the most and I think is so important. So why does responsibility build character and integrity and why does that matter? I think, um, that breaks my heart to hear mm-hmm. you say that, Emily, cause it is so important at our house. Um, and we talk about it a lot. We talk about the things that you learn through hard work mm-hmm. and hard situations. We don't just want our kids to do hard things for the sake of doing hard right. things. We want to make sure that we capture that moment mm-hmm. to, you know, pull out, this is what we're learning by right. doing this. Um, but like I said before, like they're not just going to wake up and know how to do anything, right? It, we have to be intentional with them. And so if I don't know what my goal is for my kids, then every day I'm just like blindly shooting arrows in the breeze. Right. Like I want the arrows that I'm shooting to be on target yep. for where we're heading. Mm-hmm. And so we try to give them specific things, specific responsibilities within our home and outside of our home for our bigger kids to help build into that mm-hmm. character and integrity because those are important to us. We we want to send adults out into the world right. who love Jesus and love other people. Yeah. And that doesn't happen accidentally. That happens with right. intentionality. And it's hard. I mean, I'm not saying this <laughs> because I'm sitting in this chair is like the perfectionist who has this nailed down. Yeah. Like we struggle with this a lot, but perseverance and persistence and patience, like those things are really important. And I think if I'm honest, really lacking in our greater society right now, right. those things are hard to come by. Yes. We talk about self-control a lot around here and I'm like, well, there's not very many adults using that, but that doesn't mean that it's not important. Right. right? So, all right. Really quickly, because we don't want to keep everyone too, too long, but um, I would love, so kind of how this looks in real life. Mm -hmm. Will you talk about the way that you do chore assignments in your house? Because I think it's like, it's simplified and it it works. That's right. And I think this took a little, please don't think we just like arrived at this place. This took a little bit of tweaking. Um, But we choose things that are age appropriate and we try to look for interest driven opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We started with two boys and thought we were only going to have two boys. So uh, the way this was geared at the beginning was a little different. I never knew I was going to have all these other kids to come behind and help. But they, um, they start with a task that they can do. So I'm going to go actually back to the thing that you read from the post earlier, like sorting recycling is important for us. Like we have seven people in our home, right? Right. We have to sort the recycling Yes. when they're little and they think that's so cool. Absolutely. Why not? Make it a game. My two-year-old loves nothing more than put something in a trash or recycling. I mean, I do that on a daily basis. Here, go put this in the recycling. Yes. Yay. They're so excited about it. So from the time they could talk, we would tell them mm-hmm. trash and they would repeat trash and yeah. they would get so yeah, so excited to do those things. So um, we're at the season now where, so our, our teenager, our oldest teenager is responsible for family dishes. Mm-hmm. So before everybody freaks out, he didn't start being completely responsible for all the family right, dishes. Right. He started 
you know, unloading utensils in the dishwasher. Yeah. And then as he got bigger, he would do bigger things. And now he and his sister pair together and they teamwork through doing the dishes. But he washes our family pots and pans mm -hmm. at the end of dinner. That's not because I can't or I think I shouldn't have to do it. Right. It's because I want him as a grown man to leave my home yeah. and know what is required Understand that dinner doesn't just show up and your kitchen's not just magically clean at the yes, end of the meal, that right? Nice? Yes. <laughs> and to realize that he's loving his family. This is a gift mm -hmm. that he can give his family. Perfect. Um, our 14, almost 14 year old does our family laundry. And yeah. I know that's a really big task. Um, but he started when he was little, just doing certain portions of right. it, sorting it out, helping me throw it into the washing machine. Right. And it's progressed now that he's older and can handle more. He does the laundry. He's yeah. now bringing a sister alongside to train her up and teach her age-appropriate tasks. Right. Um, but yeah, that's those are some examples of the ways yeah. that we break down. And things we, together. with the from the for the from the laundry standpoint, I still I do the laundry, but they're required to bring it to me. Yeah. I I mean they they could do that, but they also are responsible for putting it away. And I think a point to make is we do need to lower our perfection bars mm -hmm. a lot. Absolutely. Because I don't want to look in their drawers. I organize them once or twice a year. And I don't even spend a whole lot of time on that. I just get rid of all the stuff they've grown out of or has holes in it. But um, they are responsible for that. And they, they do it. And they know that that needs to be done before they go and do whatever. And my five-year-old, like, he loves doing it. Yeah. It's funny. The other ones don't. But he loves it. So... Um, serving within the family, serving outside the family, what does that look like in your family? Yeah. So because we are, um, a ministry family and have been a part of a church plant, there have been loads of opportunities <laughs> for our kids to come alongside. So, um, I mean, just from the time they were really little, mm -hmm. they would show up and whatever needed to be done, right. they would help do. So we just try, it's easy. Gosh, it's so easy as parents to think we can just do it ourselves and it's harder to take the kids and find yeah. it, that is harder. Yeah. But it's just more intentional. Yeah. And we're not always awesome at this, but we're trying really hard to see ways that even if it's just one kid that comes along. Right. That's what we've kind right, of been Bring that kid too. along. So gosh, we, our kids would go early on Sunday mornings when we were a mobile church and they would help set up all of the nursery rooms and they would help set up all of the chairs and whatever, whatever was available that their little hands could do. Right. And it wasn't because that we were ordering them to mm -hmm. do slave labor. It's sure. not that at all. It was their contribution mm -hmm. to what was going on. So right. we do that in all kinds of areas. And what's cool um, is to now see the boys can see, they can look around and they'll see a need. So when That's... it snowed a couple years ago, we have an older gentleman who lives across the street and on his own, one of my boys said, mom, I really feel like I should go shovel his driveway so that he doesn't have to worry about that. Now, I'm not saying that because he's amazing and perfect and awesome all the time, but because he had been serving That's others, a big deal. right? Yeah. He saw that on his own. Yeah. And what a gift yeah. that was for that neighbor to not be concerned yeah. about his driveway. I think you make a good point there. And something that, you know, we tend to, as a culture, set aside the older generation. Mm -hmm. And there's so much fruit there. We have an older neighbor that lives right next door to us that Carla has met. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I kind of encouraged the boys like, hey, she gets a newspaper every day and then we have our trash day. So they just, you know, I'm like, you know, it'd be so nice because they're not going to do it on their own from day one. Right. That's right. 
you know, wow, that would be so nice if you would roll her trash can up when you roll ours up. And they're like, it was like light bulbs went off. Oh, yeah, we can do that. And now they go knock on her door and have a conversation, which she loves. But, you know, they still sometimes need to be reminded. Yeah. But they, that doesn't mean they don't love doing it. Yeah. And the more they practice, right, the better that can that can be. And something else, I mean, it can be really hard with little tiny kids. Um, but, you know, when you go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. pick out a couple extra cans and let them set them in wherever the food pantry yeah. donation is. Um, let them pick out what kind of vegetables. Like, it seems insignificant, but I really think those little things matter so that they, like you said, start looking for those yeah, opportunities. Just creating that awareness for them. Because yeah. if we are only focused on making things easy for them, mm-hmm. that's focusing on self. Right. And it's not seeing other people. And I mean, and we have to be honest. Well, why are we doing this? Well, because there are families that don't have enough food to eat. Yeah. I know you're only three, but you can understand that. That's right. And it doesn't help that they're not aware of that until exactly they're right. 20 and they see homeless people and understand what it means, right. you know? So, um, Okay. Real quick, serving outside of the family, um, we've talked a little, we've talked about real life responsibilities mm-hmm. a little bit. So we'll just give them real life responsibilities early, like, like, uh, Carla's 16 year old's jobs. Um, I want to wrap up today with how we as parents, cause you know, it's like, oh great, this is all good information. Mm-hmm. Like I need to do these things differently, but sometimes, um, you know, these, when we listen to these kinds of things or we read books, it's like, okay, but what's the practical application? Mm-hmm. We've talked about some of that today, but how can we best respond when our kids show us both really responsible behavior mm-hmm. or action and also when they act really irresponsible? What do you do at your house? And then I'll tell you what do we do at ours. Um, so we do try, and I will confess, this is an area where I struggle Um acknowledging when they're doing the good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one part of expecting or teaching your kids responsibility and having high expectations for them is sometimes you miss the expectations that they're going to meet it, right? And yes. you miss that they're doing the really good thing. So I try to be really careful, especially if it's not prompted, mm-hmm. to just go to them and talk to them about mm-hmm. what I saw them do or if someone else right. shares with me something that they've done and like make a big deal about that. Um they all people love to hear good things about themselves. Yeah. So I have to be really cognizant of what's going on around me. Right. And pause long enough to show them whether they've worked out a conflict with a sibling or yeah. seen a well, need. And it's hard when you have five kids. Gosh, there's so much right? happening all the time. It's hard to notice <laughs> when things go right. Like, I could be doing that all day, every day. So yeah. I do have to be really diligent about that. And on the flip side, it's interesting about irresponsibility because I can be quick when my kids are being so responsible to get super frustrated when they're irresponsible. Yeah. But I, we do have to remember they are kids. This is a journey. Mm-hmm. We are walking alongside them in the journey and we try really hard to give them an opportunity to correct the issue. Right. Right. Like let's yeah. talk what happened, what went wrong, mm-hmm. what could you or can you do differently? Right. Go make that right. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to fix that for them. Right. I, I'm going to sit down and have the conversation we're going to try to be really grace-filled in that conversation, but we want to give them the opportunity to right, right. the wrong or correct the mistake yes. versus ignoring it or me stepping in right. and taking care of that right. situation for them. Yeah. We do something, uh, we don't do like rewards for good behavior because, 
again, I follow John Roseman and he does the opposite. So if you're looking for behavior things, John Roseman is amazing. But what we do is if I notice if, if they get a compliment from an adult or I notice someone being really generous or using really kind words or doing something that without being asked, we have little character stickers and it's just stickers on a page. Like it's nothing important. But when they get 25 stickers, they can go to the Dollar Tree and pick out something. So it's like, you know, they're so little and I, I, I really don't like rewarding good behavior all the time, but it's something that they can mm-hmm. look up, look forward to. And it, it is a small gesture mm-hmm. for noticing the good things, which I'm not the best at either. But that also gives them, it's building the habit mm-hmm. of looking for ways yeah. to be responsible. And with my older kids, like there's a lot of natural consequences from mm-hmm. irresponsibility. Yeah. So for example, if you leave your shoes outside and it rained last night and you're going to school in five minutes, that's not my problem. Yeah. I mean, and that might sound really frank and ugly, but you know, you can either wear your old beat up shoes that are falling apart, your snow boots or wet, wet shoes. Like those are your options. <laughs> and so... Yeah. That's something we, like, I'm not going to bring your homework assignment to school. I really hate that you're going to lose two letter grades because I have a hard time not getting my own pride hurt in that, but it's not helpful for me to drive 20 minutes to and from school to bring you your assignment that was sitting beside your backpack. This might've happened today. And (laughs) you didn't, I told you yesterday, make sure this is in your backpack so you don't forget it. And guess what? It's sitting right under where the backpack was. It's right there right now. And like, I'm not going to do that because that's not helpful for you. Now, I do think there are times when it we have to really weigh that. And like, you know, what are the consequences? Is right. this too big or too much? Um, but natural consequences for irresponsibility can be really promising and great. And sometimes, too, you know, I'm going to step in and help in some way. But before doing that, I'll say, well, what are we going to do about this? And they need to problem solve, you know, versus me coming up with this big elaborate plan of how we're going to fix this. They need to at least try to figure it out first, you know, so. I think if we look around us, we can see how little accountability is in the workplace right Mm -hmm. now, right? Like we just the other day, Jason had a situation where he rode through a fast food scenario and came home with completely wrong food. hear me at like we are grace givers and we know that mistakes happen. right but we feel like it's becoming more common for people in the workplace to not perform their job properly yeah and there really are no repercussions for that no. there's no it's just kind of like oh I'm sorry we don't want our kids to be those kids yeah right well I mean I I haven't gone in a big Walmart for a long time I told Carlos the other day I needed to go in the big Walmart the other day for a very specific thing <laughs> And it took four people before they could tell me where to go. None of them actually wanted to help me. I was like chasing people down. And then I get back to the place where I need to be. And I'm I'm telling you, this guy, he's on his phone and he's literally hanging off the counter. Like sort of like a like one elbow on the counter, the rest of his body kind of slothing. And and he's like, that's how he addressed me. He didn't even stand up when I came up there. He's like, uh yeah, what what do you need? And I'm like, um, and it, it was, it caught me so off guard. It like took my words and I'm, please hear me. I'm not saying that this is a terrible person or anything, but that's what if we do the lawn mowering. That's what's going to happen. The kids are not going to just suddenly know better when this kid, he's probably 18. They're just not. So we have, we have 
lots of opportunity to do things differently. And, you know, honestly, when we raise our kids this way, I mean, they're going to thrive. Absolutely. And they're going to be set apart in society because we're still going to need great workers. Absolutely. They're well, going to have a leg up just because they, they take know responsibility what they're doing. and know what yeah, they're doing. That's right. Yeah. I think when, when I'm thinking back to that comment that you shared, my kids play right? They mm-hmm. play really big mm-hmm. and really hard. My kids are not inside laboring for my right. family all day, every day, right? right? But why would I not take advantage of an opportunity to build into them mm-hmm. if, and teach them? Yeah. that I do see that as my job, yeah. not to do all of the things for them. Right. And so um, I get it. Everybody, this will look different for every family. Every family dynamic is different. Every Parenting personality is different. Absolutely. But I think that we can all agree that we would like our kids to grow up to be functioning adults who contribute positively to society, not who sit back and think they are just entitled to receive. Right. And we have to do our part pouring into them to teach them how to be responsible. I made a note. um, There's a verse in Luke chapter 16 that says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. That's a good verse. And so we just have tried imperfectly, but we have tried to begin trusting them with little things that grow to bigger and bigger things. Awesome. That's a great note to end on. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you, Carla, for being here and sharing your wisdom. If you guys have questions about parenting topics, medical topics, health topics, anything at all, send us a message. Um, You can do that straight to the podcast and we will do our best to address it in another episode. Take care. Have a great day.